We are now seeing that teenager Baron Trump's room was searched. And so far, Hunter Biden's home or many of his hotel rooms across the globe have not been raided. Does that seem like justice? Does that seem fair? And now some new surprising details of what was actually seized during the Mar-a-Lago raid. This will really make you think it was a fishing expedition, and it clearly was over the top. And joining us now to discuss all of this is the great investigative journalist and founder of Just the News, John Solomon. John, great to have you here on the show. Great to be with you, Rita. Tell us what was seized in the raid, because you have some new details that are really stunning. Yeah, listen, when you go through Judge Eileen Cannon's order from Friday, Monday, where she appoints the uh, special master at Donald Trump's request, you start to see the breadth of the search, uh, the breadth of the seizure, and how many of the materials exceed what the search warrant authorized. For instance, there are 500 pages of attorney-client privilege documents that were picked up by the FBI. That should be concerning to anyone. Uh, agents are normally trained that if something is between an attorney that you don't grab it or you, uh, you isolate it and protect it. There were tax records from the president's uh, time. They're clearly not mentioned in the search warrant, but gathered. There were his medical records, the president's personal physician records, medical records seized. That clearly is not mentioned as, as an item that could be seized within uh, the thing. And, it, and you go through it, there's clothing that was done, passports. All these items were not itemized on the search warrant as targets of the search warrant. And therefore, they're unlawfully collected. It's what is known in the FBI parlance as over-collection, evidence that shouldn't have been collected. Now, the second part of it is that the, uh, the Justice Department kept going to the court saying, we don't need a special master. We don't need an independent person to look at this because we've got an honor system we call the filter team or the taint team. And they went through everything and they've protected everything. And the judge went and found out that's not true. Some of the attorney-client privilege documents that were improperly gathered by the FBI during the raid ultimately were given to the investigators on the front lines of the case. So that that taint team, that that filter team didn't work. It didn't protect President Trump's constitutional rights. And so when you see that level of detail in the judge's ruling, you begin to see an FBI that had on what was going to be its most famous search in years, right? Maybe its most famous raid in a half century. They didn't even get the basics of search warrant um, uh, practices down. We interviewed the former assistant director for intelligence of FBI, the, the guy that sort of would oversee a case like the one involving Trump and classified documents. He said that the FBI's performance is so deeply troubling that they gathered way too much information. They made a uh, search warrant that was too broad by the definitions of the manual. He actually thinks a judge is going to ter- toss out the search warrant and all of the uh, fruits that were uh, derived from it. That's a, uh, an FBI, pro-FBI guy warning that the FBI overstepped its bounds. Wow. That's stunning. So what do you think the chances are? You heard it from him, but did others say the same thing? Because that would be huge, John. We've talked to lots of lawyers. Uh, We've talked to uh, Alan Dershowitz. We've talked to several prosecutors. We had one of the presidents, President Trump's uh, lawyers, Alina Haba, on the uh, podcast on Friday, my podcast on Friday. And she said they are preparing what is known as a Title 41G challenge, meaning they're going to challenge the constitutionality of the search warrant, saying it was too broad. It overcollected information, even though it was too broad. That's going to bring a second issue into the judge's courtroom. Right now, the only issue before the courtroom is let's segregate the documents that the FBI shouldn't have gathered and, and get them back to the president and, and protect them from the eye, the prying eyes of the government. 
Now you may have a, a constitutional challenge to the entire search. If that were to be uh, ruled upon and if the FBI were to have uh, exceeded its authority here, it would be an enormous black eye for the Justice Department, the FBI, and people like Kevin Brock, who normally chair on the FBI. They're very big supporters of the FBI. Kevin Brock, very respected as a former assistant director. It is rare to see them call out their agency so overtly as they've done over the last week or so. Yeah, that is stunning. Now, you know, it's amazing when you talk about all these documents and you bring up the attorney-client privilege. First of all, you can't undo it. Once you've seen something, uh, you know, we're trusting what the honor system that they're not going to be whispering at the water cooler, even if they end up ultimately having to return those documents. They've seen it. They've seen the tax documents. They've seen medical, personal medical information. I mean, that to me is just so over the top. And it's hard to say, oh, well, even if we're not going to use it, even if all those things ultimately go back to President Trump, as it sounds like they clearly should, um, we know now that those agents have seen it. Yeah, and you can't undo it. That's exactly what the judge's order says, that there is a a significant potential for the president to be injured, legally speaking, from the FBI's overcollection of evidence. That's what the judge says in this ruling. There's another thing that really jumps out. When you ask a Kevin Brock or you ask a longtime FBI agent, does the FBI normally do this? Does it really overcollect this much information? They point you to the DIOG, the the Domestic Investigations uh, operations guide that every agent is trained at when they go to the uh, training academy in Quantico, and it's their Bible for how they act. And it is so clear in the manual that search warrants are to be constructed uh, with the narrowest possible search terms, with the narrowest possible intrusions into a person's home or office, and uh, that it, that agents use the least intrusive. That's the exact quote from the guide. Least intrusive means of gathering the evidence. When you see what the FBI did in this case, they're in uh, Baron Trump's room. They're in Melania's closet. They're taking attorney-client privileges, medical records, passports. It doesn't fit the training that these agents normally are given or that they strictly adhere to. In fact, one of the um, important lines in the dialogue is, is that it's important to have r- rigorous obedience to the concepts of, the, of this guide because that's how you protect someone's constitutional uh, rights. That's exactly what the, the dialogue says. You see an FBI in this instance, not uh, abiding by a manual that they use every day for search warrants every day. In fact, Kevin Brock said, I think drug dealers got more protections in in searches and raids on their home than the former president did. Very troubling to compare the behavior now described and confirmed in court records with what the operations manual tells agents to do. Yeah, and you can even see that uh, this judge, the district judge Eileen Cannon, who granted the special master, she expressed deep concern. You know, I want to ask your thoughts, John Solomon. Of course, everybody, we're talking to the great journalist, John Solomon, uh, founder of Just the News. John, what about these reports? I think it's Washington Post that's talking about in the documents, there's something that's tied to nuclear secrets or nuclear capabilities of another country. What, what do you know on that? We don't know much. I mean, there have been a lot of leaks, uh, a lot of expectations. It's the exact same game we saw played uh, during the Russia collusion case. Remember, there was irrefutable proof that President Trump was uh, coordinating his efforts to hijack the election with Vladimir Putin. In fact, the New York Times had a front page story with anonymous sources saying that there were intercepts of the president's team talking to Russian uh, officials. We now know those stories were false. Those anonymous leaks were misleading and in many ways disinformation 
We simply don't know what it is. No such document is described in the very detailed search warrant returns. So if someone is leaking that, they're going outside the bounds of what has been disclosed to the court. When it's anonymous, I, I've come to over the last six years, I don't use anonymous sources very often. I'm very dubious of them now because I've seen so many stories in the last four or five years that quoted anonymous sources that have been repeatedly debunked afterwards. And so I don't put as much stock in a Washington Post anonymous source story as I would have five or six years ago, which is surprising even to me. We just don't know. There's nothing in the court records to suggest that. What is in the court records is that there were documents with the markings of top secret and top secret compartmentalized. Those are very sensitive secrets. What the president's attorneys say in return is that, yeah, there may have been documents with those markings, but he declassified them while he was still president. And uh, we're going to be able to show that as we go through the court system. So Every side, each side has their story. They've dug in. Uh, the government seems to leak anonymously. The president seems to be talking on the record. We'll see which one turns out to be true uh, as this winds to its court, because I think we're going to see a lot of things in the court filings in the next month. Yeah, I think so, too. And John Solomon, what about the admonishment of these leaks? I mean, that to me is stunning yeah. because they claim, oh, gosh, you know, it would hurt the investigation. That's why we can't have this, you know, independent special master that was part of the DOJ contention. And yet they continue to leak like a sieve and without repercussions, John. You know, the judge actually mentions that in her ruling for a second, saying that, you know, these leaks are problematic. And they note that the government said, well, we're, I, I, the official government lawyer, isn't, I'm not the one doing it, but I, they are troubling. Let me just read you a quote from the judge's ruling on Monday. When asked about the dissemination to the media of information relative to the contents of the seized records, government's counsel stated that he had no knowledge of any leaks stemming from his team, but candidly acknowledged there was an unfortunate existence of leaks to the press. The government basically saying we don't know how to control ourselves from leaking is basically what the lawyer said. Uh, it is a problem. And one of the things that um, Alina Habab, that one of the president's attorneys said on my podcast on Friday is she's planning or considering to file or the legal team is considering to file a motion uh, saying that grand jury secrecy has been violated and that uh, there should be a punishment to the government. And with these leaks being out there now, that is a real possible legal proceeding that President Trump's team could pursue. There's been an awful lot of leaks uh, in, on, a, on a procedure where the government claims national security is at risk. And let's remember the most interesting of all leaks, the photographs that the FBI staged on the floor of the president's office. When you look at those, there is something really valuable that a foreign power could have gotten. They now know what the classified um, uh, folders look like and what markings are on the folders when a president gets the most sensitive intelligence. The idea that the FBI would put that out there for foreign powers to see could be used in the future to extract information from people or identify or corroborate leaked documents. And so the FBI's behavior, the government's behavior, not only is it full of leaks that concern the judge, there are some intelligence experts that have told me they're very concerned about the photo giving away some of the storage concepts of how presidential materials are marked classified. That's a really interesting point. You're right, because maybe they had never seen it before, and now they know what to look for. The other thing, too, John, is that the judge basically, and we're getting information, that essentially what it was like less than 1% of what they seized of the thousands upon thousands of documents actually may have even fit in a classified category. Of course, again, the president says he declassified, but just on the face of it, that's how minimal the other 99% was what? 
Yeah, well, that's the problem. That's the concern about overcollection, and that's why when you you hear someone as respected and as experienced as a Kevin Brock saying, "Listen, I love the FBI, but I'm not comfortable with what they did here. From what I can see, it doesn't fit the training, doesn't fit the way my colleagues and I used to do search warrants." We should all take pause and listen to that. This is not a partisan guy. This is a guy that was on the front lines of the FBI for three decades in a storied career, and he's like, this isn't the way we do it. It's an embarrassment to the FBI to think we grabbed passports, medical records. And, you know, one of the things people might say is, well, maybe it was a rushed uh, raid. It wasn't. They were there for nine hours in what Kevin Brock describes as the normal procedures. All the documents are laid out, and then you go, oh, we shouldn't take that. Let's give that back. We shouldn't take that. We give that back. It doesn't appear that happened, even though medical records, passports, tax records, and attorney-client privilege documents and pieces of clothing clearly are not things that were identified in the search warrant as a target. Yeah, clearly. Boy, are there so many questions. Well, do me a favor, John Solomon, stay with us. We're going to have a lot more with you after the break. I want to get an update on also the threat, sadly, against this judge now for granting the special master. uh, And also talk about the hypocrisy when it comes to what's happening with a Trump versus a Biden, i.e. Hunter Biden, especially. And welcome back to the Rita Cosby Show. We are discussing the Mar-a-Lago raid, the threats against the judge who granted a special master, and also the double standard of how a Trump is treated versus a Biden, such as Hunter Biden. And we continue now with great journalist John Solomon, the founder of Just the News. John, I got to ask you about these threats first off against Eileen Cannon, who granted the special master. The Democrats are going crazy because she's a Trump appointed judge. Uh, They don't bring out the fact that the guy who actually signed off on the search warrant actually tweeted anti-Trump stuff. And yet he seems to be okay by their standards. But it's really scary. They're just the vitriol, John. Yeah, listen, this is uh, remarkable. You see people like a Norman Ornstein, who's a respected political scientist at AEI and other places, and calls the judge a partisan hack. This judge and in, in her philosophy and concerns about the uh, taint teams, these filter teams, are shared by large numbers of the judiciary. I, I wrote a story just a few days ago. It's very important for people to read this. This concept of a taint team, of a filter team, that the Justice Department could have an honor system and and decide what privileged material should and shouldn't be looked at is kind of relatively new. And thus far, the courts have found egregious problems with the way the Justice Department conducts these teams. At least three appellate courts have cited serious concerns. And one of those cases is now pending before the United States Supreme Court. The United States Supreme Court is being asked to even check the legality, whether it's constitutional for the Justice Department to be both the collector of the evidence and the arbiter of what's privileged and not. And so uh, Judge Cannon's uh, ruling is actually very consistent with what other courts have done in other cases before President Trump. But, But because it's President Trump, you see one side jump on the bandwagon against it, and then the other side jumping on the bandwagon for Ford. Anyone who studied what the courts have been ruling on finds that Judge Cannon's concerns about the taint team are rooted in other court rulings recently. And let's keep in mind, the government has admitted to her, has admitted that they turned over privileged materials to the uh, investigative team that should not have happened. So they've acknowledged there's a problem in the honor system that the Justice Department was supposed to follow. That gives a judge very strong evidence to to do what she did. And I think the attacks on her simply ignore the evidence and play to the politics of this. And speaking of politics, boy, we have been getting so many new details about the way that Hunter Biden's case has been treated or suppressed. 
and elevated, of course, on the flip side, anything tied to Trump. What do you think is going to happen with Hunter Biden? Um, I mean, with the statements that came recently from Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, where he basically said, yeah, the FBI told me Russian disinformation. We suppressed it. Um, do you think we're ever going to see someone like him hold before Congress to answer some questions and say, well, what FBI agents specifically and what exactly were you told? Absolutely. I've had uh, Congressman Comer, who would likely be the chairman of the Oversight Committee in the House, I've had uh, Ron Johnson, uh, Chuck Grassley on the podcast and on the television show recently, all of them to say if Republicans are in control of one or more of the houses of Congress, one or more of the chambers of Congress next year, that all of these people, including Hunter Biden, Comer was adamantly clear. We are going to subpoena and force Hunter Biden and James Biden to tell us what they did while Joe Biden was vice president, what they've been doing since President Joe Biden's been in the White House. So there is a determination that I haven't seen in past years. If you remember back when I was doing the stories at the Hill in 2019, Republicans in Congress were kind of mushy. I don't know. We shouldn't really call Hunter Biden. And they were scared to do it. Now, today, they are adamant they're going to do it. So Mark Zuckerberg is going to get uh, uh, asked to come. Uh, Hunter Biden, uh, Jim Biden, the president's uh, brother. And I, an interesting concept uh, was uh, we had a couple of members of Congress on the show Friday. I think one of them was Andy Biggs. And he said, a group of Republicans are thinking of restoring a century and a half old rule. It's a rule that says that if someone comes before Congress and refuses to testify and the Justice Department won't prosecute them for contempt, like what they did with Steve Bannon recently, keep in mind it's a Democratic Justice Department. And a decade ago, the Democratic Justice Department refused to prosecute uh, witnesses before a Republican Congress, that Congress could go and defund that bureaucrat's job. Basically, they could say, Anthony Fauci, if you don't show up tomorrow, we're cutting your salary to one dollar and they can do that. So the Republicans are not only thinking about who they're going to testify or call to testify, they're thinking about enforcement mechanisms, assuming that the Biden Justice Department won't support a Republican Congress. So they're thinking about those sort of things as well. Oh, that's really interesting, really creative, because the American public, they want answers. Um, and we just have a few minutes left. I want to ask you, what's the status of whistleblowers? And could we see uh, Timothy Tebow get called? Certainly one of the people that uh, uh, the members of Congress and those likely to be chairman if in a Republican Congress say is on the top of their list. Ron Johnson talked extensively about that the other day. Um, yeah, listen, whistleblowers are a difficult breed because they have significant protections. Remember, there was a whistleblower allegedly in the Ukraine impeachment, and he couldn't be called because the protection statutes uh, prevent that. So if a, witness, uh, if a whistleblower does go, he's going to have to do it voluntarily, meaning he agrees to waive his protections. And the second part is the government has to agree to let that person, if they're still under employee, testify. And I think those are the sort of things that are going to play out in a Republican Congress very early. They're going to be battles over witnesses. The 20 FBI whistleblowers are at the top of many Republicans' lists as people that want to be called and brought before Congress next year. Yeah, for sure. Boy, uh, it's going to be a battle royale no matter who is in charge of the House and Senate, um, you can imagine. But especially if they do get control of the House, I think we'll finally maybe get some answers to many of these questions. John Solomon, really great to have you here on the show. And thank you for all your great exclusive reporting. It is always spot on. Thanks, John. Enjoy the conversation all the time.
Thank you so much, Jonathan. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 